since we've gotten back to you we've had some pretty exciting things going on at least in the world of baseball and the kind of a little bit of recap of the season and uh tyler's got some uh little little bit of exciting news <laughs> yeah so i uh, had a little delay here because uh, we had a, a baby uh over here in uh in san francisco so uh been a, a little baby a baby uh, <laughs> a baby so we've, we've been a little busy with that uh so yeah i mean beginning of the season when we decided to start this podcast we're like okay yeah the baby will be born like end of july we'll at least get like five months into the season and uh, instead he was born like four days after the season started so <laughs> so it kind of threw a wrench in our plans but hopefully we can get back to some regular uh, recordings now hunter's doing great uh most of the people on the twitters have uh, seen the cute little guy and uh He's, he's already a big baseball fan. He's seen a, at least a part of every Giants game he's been alive for. <laughs> well, and, you know, and then, of course, later on, we'll probably get into, you know, 2038 trade prospects. Who's coming up new? Probably Hunter Hall. Oh, he's already got he's already got Farhan <laughs> covered for the 2038. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. So other than that, other like super exciting news for Tyler, um, we've been just kind of inching away through the season uh i i'm gonna start it off with how awesome the a's are doing this season. well really really quick uh, we should oh, right. also note that we also did a fundraiser which we'll cover at the end but we also still have hal with us so he'll chime in here and there and then we'll talk about the fundraiser at the end you guys uh, remember hal right he was on our last episode how could you forget yeah you know we we cried about the oreos a little bit last time and uh, it's probably gonna happen again so just <laughs> brace yourself uh, but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Clay, how are the A's? How the first half look for the A's? So that's our, yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously coming in uh, over you know twenty wins, which um, is really exciting for me. It's not as exciting to watch the Rays um, getting extremely hot over here in the AL as well. Um, I, it's nice to see the Yankees not doing great, um, but. Uh, who would have thought that I'd be terrified about the Rays again and then the Cleveland Indians coming in uh, pretty are hot. You, are you having them. flashbacks of that wild card game we went to last year? You're just I'm like, having oh. a lot of flashbacks. I'm pretty excited that, you know, the A's, uh, they're, of course, um, proof, they've just been proof in the pudding over and over again that they are a late comeback team. Um, obviously, we saw in the Bay Bridge series if those games had been seven-inning games. Um, the Giants would have taken that series. And... I don't think so, because that just means Trevor Gott would have pitched in the seventh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Gott, yeah, not thinking about Gott, but I, we, we'll definitely get back to Gott. I mean, but, one um... one thing I think was really cool about the, fir- I mean, the first half, which was only basically a month, and uh, both Bay teams at one point were the hottest team in baseball. Ex- exactly, yeah. And, I mean, and... where did the A's win streak cap off at? Was it at nine, or did they get to ten? They got to nine. Yeah, no, they didn't make it the full ten. Yeah, and then the Giants had a seven-game win streak, which was the highest in baseball at that point. So, I mean, hey, they yeah, yeah. two hottest teams in baseball in the first half. Exactly, and you know what? And that that that's uh, definitely exciting. Um, 
but as we're seeing as the teams kind of are are kind of falling into into place and and other teams are getting more comfortable and we're actually into a what we're calling a mid-season which really should just be like may um we're as we're kind of falling in, we're, we are seeing teams kind of fall into where where they where they obviously more likely are going to be um but the rays right now they're they're looking the hottest as far as the american league um just as far as the last couple of games they're they're uh they're unfortunately doing hot and uh, I would like to not see them in the playoffs this year, but it looks like it's pretty likely to happen. Um, but, you know, just as a kind of cap up, the A's were the most recent team to come out with a COVID uh, positive test. It ended up, uh, they, they didn't release any names of the players or staff or whichever personnel may have gotten it. But the next day that they completely tested negative, but uh, just if in case anybody hasn't been following it, they won't be playing. Um, against the Mariners until the next upcoming series, they'll be doing a couple double headers. Which he this, this positive test came out in in Houston, so I don't want to say the Astros are to blame for it, but I'm not going to say they're not to blame. For I it. mean, you know, once a cheater, always a cheater. So don't drink, uh, don't drink the water in Houston if you're going to go play Ooh. the Astros. Leave cheating. it to the Astros to cheat on a test. <laughs> and of course, it would be against the A's. Everybody hates the A's. That's crazy. So I also want to say that the A's have been hit by more pitches than the Astros this season. So where are you guys? Yeah, like, it's called going playing on, baseball. Y'all? People are going to get hit. No, 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 no. This is. Uh... This is this is intense. Yeah, the A's also lead the league in charging opponents' dugouts and, uh, by one by a hot one, and <laughs> and boy was it a charge. Oh, man. I'm not even mad at the man, you know. I think uh, Al, get, the... get, sit your coach down, sit your freaking coach down. Ramon is supposed to be a hot head, and you know what? I like him being a hot head. At first, I was a little nervous. I don't always like you know uh, really um, intense players because I feel like sometimes their aggression. Um, just get some twisted up at the plate. You know, it always seems like the cooler heads prevail in baseball, but Ramon Liariano, um, yeah, don't get that guy riled up. <laughs> I mean, you got to – I have to say, though, your whole franchise is based around on-base percentage, and getting hit by a pitch, it helps. So Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all to be getting hit by pitches, and I think that kind of just speaks about your team's mentality. Like you just said, Loriano's a grinder. These people are not going to get out of the way of pitches. Like they're, you know, they're there to get on base. However, it comes, they're willing to eat a pitch. So yeah, stop throwing inside then. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know what you're complaining about. Three base runners. I know, I know, I know. I thought they were just, I, you know, I just I assumed everyone would be thrown at the Astros. But I mean, I, if you guys want to help the A's win, that's fine. Totally cool if that's the game plan. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, won't get too messed up about it. But um, just kind of on the end of that, uh, we did have a poor, poor debut in, or at least our second series against the Astros. Um, it was really nice that we won that first series because the A's were not looking great on offense in the last two games. Um, but now they've got a little time to recover. We have Listella that we got over from the Angels. We got him for a month. We got Mike Miner who's going to come in and stoop be our um, kind of follow-up lefty starting pitcher for us. So um, some pretty exciting trades. You never, I mean, it's pretty rare to see the A's look at something short-term like that. Like 30 days, we're just trying to get to the postseason. Um, so it's, it's really exciting to see the A's make moves and go in all in like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, on the other side of the Bay, I mean, the, the season started off really rough for the giants. I mean, I didn't really hold any punches. They're playing little league defense for about the first week and a half there. It was brutal. Uh, and basically 
you were surprised if the Giants could get through a game without costing their uh, their defense, costing them runs on the scoreboard there. Um, and then, you know, once they started playing some actual Major League Baseball, uh, playing some defense, they started to, to win some games. It's kind of weird to have uh, the Giants offense carrying the load for them. But, I mean, we got Donnie Barrels, uh, Yaz. I don't want to talk about Yaz too much with Hal here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was basically sorry. handed him over. Um, uh, but, you know, and also the, the vets have kind of stepped back up, you know, the, Bell, right, Brown, yeah, Bell, yeah. And Crawford have been kind of a rough couple of years. Longo, who's always been kind of consistent, but never really the Longo from Tampa. And they've all they've all kind of stepped up, and so you know they've they've put together, you know, and they've never really given up. They've always, you know, they had that big comeback. I think it was against the Padres, and they ended up losing in that extra innings game, but they were down five in the eighth, I believe, and they rallied back. Um, you know, so they're they're battling. Uh, we got Wilmer Flores with the uh, the Rembrandt's walk up song there, uh, which is an awesome story. But we don't need to get into to that. Um, <laughs> well, I, and I'm wondering. So just just as far as the Padres pulling ahead now in that in that division, and the Giants maybe looking like they're getting a little more comfortable. If the Giants do end up in a third spot, who do you see them going? You know, who do you see at the top at the end of the season with the with the Padres? You know. Are the Giants going to be going against the Padres for that second seed, or the Dodgers? Uh, I mean, I think ball? I think the uh, Dodgers and Padres are pretty much locked into one and two right now. I think the Giants' hope is to sneak into one of those wild card spots in the seventh or eighth. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Padres probably had the most active and improved themselves the most at the deadline, getting Clevenger, and then uh, they also got Nola from Seattle to catch for them. Um, you know, Moreland. They, yeah, Moreland. They, I mean, they needed they needed some some solid output from the rotation. And Clevenger's, you know, a top five, top ten starter in the game. Yeah, when he's not out partying and you know <laughs> trying Sometimes. to get COVID. Uh, so you know that's a huge. I think that is. I mean, and then they've got him for two more years. So Giants fans get ready to watch Clevenger for the next, you know, five or six times a year for the next couple of years. And then yeah. hopefully he doesn't resign. He looks like he would, he looks like he's born in can, San Diego. So can you imagine? <laughs> but, like, imagine um, if we had Bauer over here and Clevenger over there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just don't see the, at least in the standings, I don't see the giants catching either of those teams with a month to go. They've already got a big enough lead. I mean, San Diego's the second or third best record in the national league. They're just not a division leader right now because of the Dodgers. Uh, but, you know, the Giants only a game out. The, I mean, the rest of the NL West, we kind of talked about this before we uh, we started taping here. But, I mean, uh, I know Hal's second team is the Diamondbacks, and they kind of had an everything-must-go mentality, it felt like. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, anyone who was breathing and had a year remaining on their contract is shipped out, uh, you know, any value you could get there. Interesting yeah. to look around the West, you know. The Dodgers' real only move was getting rid of Stripling. Tells you that they're confident with the five they have. I've also heard rumors that David Price is considering coming back. Um, so that could be another late season addition that's better than pretty much any arm you could have gotten, you know, gotten affordably. Um, yeah, just, I mean, the NL West is very competitive. There's four really, really good teams. And then there's the Diamondbacks. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think the Giants, as they stand today, Fangraphs has them as a 40%. I think that's, you know, probably going to increase. I think they're a really good team um, getting a lot of the veterans back. Like you spoke about earlier. I think they're really, I mean, there's a good cohesive unit there that's going to continue to produce. And 
these guys have been there before. They've been in the playoffs. They've been in postseason pushes. So yeah, I and I mean, good... they're only a game out of the wild card, and that team is the Rockies. I mean, the NL West could conceivably have four playoff teams this year. So you know, they've kind of been a punching bag for a while. Everyone's always hasn't. It's been a while since the NL West was this competitive because all the teams are good and not because they were had the Dodgers and then four crappy teams. Right, right. So, you know, it's it's very interesting to be I mean, they're probably the best division in baseball right now. Having four top teams, you know, that are at least in the hunt. I mean, half the teams in the baseball are making the playoffs this year, so I guess every team is in the hunt. But uh <laughs> but yeah. Um I'd like to see the Yankees not in the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> If that's ever uh, going to be a possibility. Yeah, but, uh, you know, touch, re- to touch really briefly on the trade, I'm not really surprised the Giants didn't do much. This season is so weird being so short. I know a lot of teams are worried about what even next year will look like, so teams didn't want to bring on a bunch of money. So, like, no one's going to take on a Cueto and possibly have to pay him $20 million or so with no fans in the stands. And also, you it's like I said, it's kind of a crapshoot in the playoffs this year with so, so many teams making it. So it wouldn't really make sense for the Giants to dish out some of these top prospects they have to hope they make the playoffs this year and hope they can run through what is it, four or five rounds of playoffs we'll have this year. So, you know, I'm not surprised they didn't unload any prospects um, or they weren't able to unload any of their big deals. I was kind of surprised they weren't able to find a taker for Goss- for Gossman, but. You know, I'd rather them keep someone instead of just trading them just to trade them. I wouldn't want them to trade them just to get, like, a low-tier prospect. Yeah, and if you get to the playoffs, if you know, you're looking around. Who's going to follow Cueto? I mean, you, you could conceivably say Gossman might be at the yeah. top of that list. So, I mean, you know, if, if you guys hold on, he's going to be starting playoff games, and that's going to be someone you're going to want there, I believe. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if they trade him and then they somehow sneak into the playoffs, it's going to be Cueto and a bunch of AAA pitchers pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah I, would like to, I would like to ask um, an observer on Twitter. Uh, I know you guys were coming for Gabe Kapler's head most of the season. I've seen, seen that kind of <laughs> cool off or so. The first, the first couple weeks were pretty rough. I mean, and since they hired Kapler, I've been a guy saying, you know, you got to give him some time. You got to give him a shot. That first week and a half, two weeks was brutal. I mean, he's pulling guys just because they get to the third time through the lineup. You know, you have a guy cruising, and then all of a sudden you start throwing in bullpen guys getting smacked around. They just looked really unaware on what to do on defense, which, I mean, at some point you got to look. I mean, these are professional baseball players. They should have some better instincts than what they were showing. I think maybe the delay in the summer camp kind of had something to do with that, shaking the cobwebs loose. But this did not look like a Major League Baseball team for the first week and a half or so of the season. And uh, so I understand some of the gripe there. And I know some – especially the bullpen handling was pretty brutal. The, the whole got situation, I understand, you know, throwing out there once, he's your guy. Okay, got burned twice. And then the third time, it's just like, dude, give this guy a blow. Let, let someone else <laughs> – let someone else come in. He's thrown 45 pitches in the last two games. Like, let someone else try to close a game, get this guy in a low leverage situation to find his mojo again. So, I mean, after that, he's kind of, you know, he's let he's let Anderson throw a complete game. He's let Cueto go deep. He's let Gossman go deep in some games. So, he's kind of taken some of that load off the bullpen. So, I think he's kind of found his, his you know, uh, 
rhythm a little bit as well from the manager's perspective on the bullpen. So Yeah, I think finding the rhythm is such a big thing this year. I mean, and that's been such a big deal for the A's too. I mean, we, we came in thinking, wow, this is one of the best pitching rotations in the entire MLB. And we're seeing that these guys are, they do have failures of games. And, you know, Montes has an excellent start and then starts to kind of fall off a little bit. Jesus Lizardo got his first experience with a bad game. I mean, you know, he's young and that was good time for him to get kind of his experience and to get a bad game in. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny as you're talking about Justin off the cobwebs and, and how that, um, what that means sp- specifically for the pitchers and their pitching rotation. Um, and, you know, do you keep it warm? Do they, you know, did the, do you keep it cool? Do you, do you not throw cause you got more time to rest? You know, it's, it's a, it, it's interesting to, it's just a bizarre season. Cause I mean, baseball players are creatures of habit and pretty much from the beginning of spring training back in February, there's been no regularity to this season. Then you come back, you have two weeks to kind of get ready at your home ballpark. And then you've got some teams, you know, there's a COVID positive test, so they don't play for like, you know, an extra week. So you know, finding a rhythm, luckily most of the West coast teams and here in the Bay area, aside from this last, you know, couple yeah. of days with the A's, been pretty clean they've been able to stick to their schedule which is nice but some of these east coast teams where all of a sudden you're taking i mean there was a what when most teams have played like 15 16 games the cardinals were sitting at like five games played it, it's a bizarre season and uh, finding a rhythm is different for every team which is really bizarre yeah yeah absolutely i mean it made it made me wonder about the phillies a lot because everyone thought that the phillies are gonna have a really hot um season it makes you wonder if that you know that right at the, off to the get-go with the Marlins and getting sick, if that, you know, um, if that affected their ability to kind of get things warmed up and, and, and moving at a good pace. Yeah, and, you know, and like, oh, go ahead, Hal. No, I just wanted to, like, you, you brought up the Marlins. They were really the first example of the team that really, really got hit by this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before our last podcast, we talked about what it was going to look like if, a t- you know, a clubhouse got it. And they were the prime example where I believe over half of the roster at one point tested positive. That's a team you, before the season, you don't think they're a contender at all. They're going to focus on player development. But now we're talking, you know, the trade deadline was yesterday and they were buyers. That's a team that, you know, the Phillies you would expect would have been in that same situation because these NL East teams that are not playing a lot of games, it's easy to kind of write off the season at this point and just, you know, coast into the sunset, sell off your veterans. But, I was kind of shocked the Marlins went out there and made some deals, like going to get Starling Marte. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, he's, he mm-hmm. might be the best bat in the lineup right now. Yeah, I mean, the the Phillies and the Marlins, so that's what my next point was going to be. The Phillies and the Marlins are both playoff teams of the season ended today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and also the, the Cardinals are there too, as I think they're the eighth seed. But, you know, so the Giants are chasing these teams, but they're, those teams are going to have some, some games to make up. The Marlins and Phillies have only played 30 games. So Giants played 36. Marlins and Phillies only played 30. St. Louis has only played 26. So those are like 10, 6 and 10 extra games these teams are going to have to cram into their schedule. So are they going to tire out? Are they going to start losing some games that they normally wouldn't because they're playing so many double headers? Hopefully they will, and the Giants will find a way to sneak into the postseason. And I mean, I think a team like the Phillies, you look at their biggest issue, and it's the bullpen. So if you are now having two seven-inning doubleheaders a game, that's a little less innings your bullpen's going to have to do, especially if your bullpen's bad. So a team like the Phillies, it could help them out. Um, a team like the Cardinals, rotation question marks beyond Flaherty, um, you know, that, that could actually be hurt, hurt them. So I don't know. Yeah. Could go one of two ways. 
And uh, and the Marlins could start Marlining again. So you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Seven game, seven game doubleheaders aren't working out for the A's so far. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to uh hopefully next year we can get back to a, re- a regular schedule and get rid of some of these uh crazy uh new like niches in the schedule. But it's also just so weird to be 36 games into the season and be like, all right, home stretch. Here You're right, are. right. What needs to happen? But uh, I know. But, yeah, it's, it's been looking at. No, it's been talked about enough, but just I mean, the runner on second to start extra innings. I, I can't tell you how much I hate it. I know that. Uh, beating our head against the wall talking about it but oh. yeah and if it's something you really want to do because it hasn't really shown to really shorten games that much there's we've still had some games going 12 13 14 innings it's just it sucks to me that you could play a game for three hours and then you give up a ground ball and a fly ball and you lose the game why should you lose a game because the other team didn't get a hit in extra innings I mean, if you if the league really wants to have something like that in, if they really think it speeds it up, once we once we're out of COVID time, start in like the twelfth. Give them three extra innings to try to hammer this out old fashioned style, and then get crazy with it. That's my take on it, at least. If we had to have it at all, if there's no if if with these crazy runners on second rules, there'd be no twenty second K. Like I am the the poster <laughs> child for hating this rule. <laughs> Well, I'll, yeah, I'll just, yeah, I'll agree. I mean, A's, A's get hot when they have longer innings. I mean, we talk about um, uh, last year, the best thing that could have happened to the Mike Fires was one of the left field lights went out. <laughs> so <laughs> Oakland. That's such an Oakland game. So, you know, it, 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 and that, that was two hours of late start, and we were there till 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's what it's, it's one of those things we'll we'll definitely see kind of I don't know. I, I the the person on second rule hasn't worked out too terribly for the athletics so far, but I'm waiting for it to bite us in the ass. Um but yeah, let's wrap up the second half of the season here. I'm just gonna talk really quick. Giants schedule, they got six against the Rockies, seven against the Padres, three against the A's, and then four against Arizona, four against Seattle. So those hopefully they can at least, you know, go six and two in those eight against those two teams, but I mean, we're talking about teams the Giants are chasing for playoff spots here, and they're going to need to. They have also been terrible against teams that are over 500. I think they're like six and 13 right now against teams over 500. They're going to have to turn that around. Obviously, they're chasing Colorado immediately. So, I mean, they got two away, four at home against them. So, hopefully, they can do some work there, and then hopefully, the Giants' last three, I think, are home against San Diego. So, hopefully. They can have their playoff spot lined up by then, and they just want to rest some guys before they get to the pl- the playoffs, and the Giants can uh, take advantage of that. I think the A's are looking pretty good, though, Clay. They are. You know, our next two series are going to be kind of the the show of, of how the A's are going to hold up against the best people in, in the West, and that's going to be the Padres and the Astros um, coming up in the next two series after, after the Mariners, who aren't too terrifying. Um, yeah, and then, you know, just kind of coast now with the Rangers and the Rockies. Um, and I, I re- actually, this this uh, second half of the season looks fantastic for the Athletics. I really think that by the end of the year, they're, they're going to have no problem cleaning up. Um, and, you know, whatever happens in these next two series, especially with the Padres and the Astros, um, I, I think they'll have ample time to uh, show that there's a reason why they are um, one of the top three teams picked to get into the World Series this year. And, uh, 
And I think everyone should be excited about watching uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. versus Jesus Lazardo in this upcoming Padres um, versus versus Athletic Series. It's pretty rare that we have um, such a long series together, but uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch those two square off against each other. Slam Diego, Slam Diego, and 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 baby Jesus. <laughs> I have to say, I'm very envious of both of you right now. There's nothing better than the playoff stretch when you you can watch your game and you're also scoreboard watching out of town. You're just, you know, you're competing. You're, you're in it, and you're looking around, and it's just, it's got to feel good. I, I don't know what it feels like. <laughs> I remember that the first week and a half of the season, we were uh, talking about the Orioles winning the World Series. That's right. Dang. How quick I mean, the turntables. <laughs> as of recently, I mean, it was not too long ago we were 500. So we made it, we made it pretty far in the season. And if you would have told me in March that the Orioles would have been ecstatic you know no need to look further into the details of why that happened but yeah you um, know a a, a win is you know what what you make a win you know (laughs) speaking Um, of winning we had a pretty big pat dub last week um and i think we could probably get into it are are we talking about uh, aubrey huff's donation we we had a massive dub on aubrey huff (laughs) Yeah, so uh, again, I mean, this was uh, Hal's baby, and we just kind of helped uh, helped it happen. Uh, we made a two hundred and fifty dollar donation to the Players Alliance uh, in Aubrey Huff's name. Uh, I'm just going to run down the list really quick of all the people that helped us do this. We got Nick, Adriana, Shay, Max, Andrew, Bryce with a fifty dollar donation, Sydney, Carol, Catherine, Zach, Megan, Robert, Brandon, Monica, and anonymous all right i think it's probably time i just say yeah i was the anonymous guy i didn't want to make it seem like i was just donating to our own thing but yeah that was <laughs> no big. you jump start you jump start the machine it was great <laughs> um you know so thank you to all those people who uh you know just made it happen we just kind of put it together and you guys helped uh, helped us reach our goal yeah thank you everybody thanks for our listeners it was yeah. amazing and i think it was an awesome way for us to come together um, trolling someone who's just a complete asshole. Uh, you know, it, it was good. And I'm glad we were able to do it when we did it, which was on Jackie Robinson day. Uh, yeah. you know, I, th- I think that's a good way to troll him. And I hope that whoever's going through their donations sees that and gets a chuckle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and for those who don't know, the players Alliance is basically, it's a, an organization of uh, former and current, uh, mostly black major league players, who are, you know, trying to make a difference, uh, mostly in baseball, but then in the country as well, you know, just to kind of raise awareness and uh, promote the game and just kind of, uh, you know, use their platform as Major League Baseball players to, to make change. And so we thought, you know, OBS would love to donate to that cause. So Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's really great seeing. Um, I think my favorite recent headline was, was Nick Saban. Um, leading the Alabama football team on a on a walk, um, and you know if if you University of Alabama's doing it, um, I, I really hope this gives people a chance. I don't think we should be arguing with these people on Twitter, but if we want to make donations to good organizations and not engage people like Aubrey Puff, and actually you know look at this thing and and how do we positively have this conversation? Um, look at Tony Kemp's plus one effect. Um, and just, you, you know, this conversation is uncomfortable and it obviously needs to be had. 
And I don't think um, sitting here and shouting into the abyss on Twitter at Aubrey F is going to do anything. But if we can, you know, if, if this inspires anybody to, to make a donation or, or something like that, you know, taking a negative, um, I think is, uh, is really, I'm, I'm wearing my, I'm, I'm on my, I'm getting on my soapbox, but I'm also wearing my Oakland A's black history rooted in Oakland hat. Um, <laughs> you guys can't which, see Clay right now, but he is literally on a soapbox, right? Now. <laughs> I am literally up on a soapbox. Um, but no, I, I, I hope, hope this inspires people to do that, make similar donations or, or um, look at this in a in a positive light. How we can how we can do things positively. Yeah, and then uh, really quick, we kind of Hal and I got off on this tangent. So we were like, okay, we uh, Hal has you know a great autograph collection. He had a couple really nice Aubrey Huff autographed cards, and we thought, well, what if we destroy one of these things? Um, and uh, we we had just some some ideas come from the donors, and uh, one of them was to have a witch put a curse on a card of Aubrey Huff and then destroy it. That did happen. We were not allowed to record it. However, we were able to find someone who could recreate it for us. And um, we, we have created a dramatic reenactment and that will be on the Twitters this evening. Yeah. It's a completely anonymous wizard. Um, I don't know. I don't know who who it was. Warlock, wizard, Uh, witch, something. Yeah. But, Uh, but we can confirm we really did send the card to a witch where a curse was put on Aubrey Huff and the card was destroyed. And so speaking of destroying cards on the opposite end of that, uh, we talked about it last time, but, uh, some of you who donated, we're going to go through the list. Um, and we'll find you on Twitter. And we will be in your DMs because we want to send you some autographed stuff for, you know, participating and helping us out with the cause. You know, we want to reward you guys for helping us spread this message and, you know, really being patient with us until we were waiting to, uh, you know, find the right right movement. So I think the Players Alliance is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, Hal, thank you for bringing that awesome opportunity to uh, Bay Bay Baseball podcast. Um, I know... Uh, you're not a Bay Area baseball fan per se, but we look forward to having you again uh, for future episodes. And uh, Clay and I, uh, hopefully now with Baby Hunter kind of finding a little bit of a groove, we can be uh, a little more consistent with our recording and we can get through the second half together and uh, talk a little more baseball and see uh, hopefully two Bay Area teams in the postseason. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks again, Hal, and, and we will hopefully see you guys soon. Muito obrigado. Muito obrigado. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks again to our uh, uh, Portuguese speaking fans. Hey, baby. And Hurricane Chris. I miss Mike Krzyzewski.